0: You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello friends, welcome to a new episode of the Rua Space podcast. I'm Phil.
1: And I am Erin, and we are so glad to have you here with us today where we explore how we can make space for the Holy Spirit here in our everyday lives. And today's episode is the next installment of our current study, which is about the Lord's Prayer. So we've had two episodes already. Feel free to check them out if you haven't. Yet. Um, We have one that introduces the prayer, and then there's an episode out where we go into the first line of the prayer Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so today's episode is going to focus on the line Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.
0: Yeah, and this is a really cool line. It really flows from the first episode, um, from the first line. So our episode came after the prayer, obviously. So it flows (laughs) on the first line of the prayer. But this idea of God's name being holy. And we are God makes God's name holy and we are inviting God to do that through us. And of course, the way that's carried out and is is in God's will being done. And so Mm -hmm. in the first line, we sort of praise God and there's a we went through kind of confession and restoration. And now we're moving into submission that the prayer praises God. And that praise puts us in our proper place of humility and submission before God, but not in a negative sense, like God doesn't care, you're a peasant, but as a beloved
1: child. Right, and an awareness that he's the almighty God who created the universe. So when you get that perspective and your heart now is in a posture to worship, now when we come to him and we say, your will be done, I think we have an awareness for starters that we are not the ones making the will be done and we are not the ones who have the proper understanding of the will. We're talking to the God of the universe. He has the plan. We now are praying, God, may your will be done.
0: Well, and what's beautiful about that is by God's will being done, what we come to realize is that God's will is actually good for all people. And all things. Mm. So it's not like our will is counter to God and our will is good for us. And God's will is eh, just okay. But since God is God, we'll let God's will be done. There's actually a sense in which God's will is actually the best way for all people and all Mm. things. And this really goes Mm -hmm. back to the very early parts of Genesis when God creates the world. God calls it good seven times which means it was completely good. It was good for everything. It was good for every animal, every plant, every person. It was good for God's relationship with people, right? God is talking with Adam, allowing Adam to name the animals, right? God forms Eve intimately. There's this sense of God is close. And it says that Adam and Eve were naked and felt no shame. Which is fascinating to me because shame is something we feel about ourselves, right? That if someone finds something out about us, they won't love us. So, mm-hmm. shame, when we feel shame, it's something broken in our relationship with ourselves, right? right? So, what's interesting is when God said, Here's the garden, eat of everything. I mean, He actually says, Eat, eat. The Hebrews repeated because God wants us to be free and eat abundantly. And it's good. It's good for everything. It's good for all people, but and all things in our mm-hmm. relationship with God. But mm-hmm. God said, if you don't believe that what I've set up is best for you, you may eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Right. Essentially making them like God themselves, which is kind of a joke because they were already made like God. Right. But they could be God in the sense of we're going to write our own story. We don't want to do your will, God. We don't trust that your will is best. We want our will to be done. But what's fascinating to me is in Genesis 3, right after they eat the fruit, it says the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So the very first thing, I mean, there's no break in the text, right? It literally says he ate it and then both of their eyes. So immediately. And so what happens the very first thing after we say, God, not your will be done, but ours is we feel shame. Mm. we hide. Mm -hmm. So our relationship breaks down with ourself and then our relationship breaks down between each other because what is the covering? The covering is literally a physical barrier that says, I don't want you to fully see me and I don't want to fully see you. We need to hide from one another, Mm -hmm. right? And then immediately after that, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God. So here's an interesting thing. God is still seeking them. God is still coming to them, but they're saying, no, we don't want you, God. We don't want to be seen by you. And then immediately after that, of course, the relationship with the creation breaks down. You know, by the sweat of your brow, you will work it. You'll have enmity with the snake, right? There'll be issues there. So right after they eat and say, our will be done, it breaks down their relationship with himself, God, others, and creation. And so God's will, when we say, God, your will be done, we're admitting That, God, when we do it our own way, when we try to make it about our security, our own, you know, comfort and wealth and pride and whatever, it doesn't work. That really, when we say, God, your will be done, your kingdom come, we're saying, God, we doing it on our own, we're just hurting everybody and ourselves. We need your will to be done.
1: Right. And there's a humility in that because... I think our popular culture would have us believe that we can do it. You can you can go get this. You can you can work hard enough, you can do enough time, you can attain these things. There's not often a narrative in our culture of let's work with each other and make our dreams realized. You know, that's just that that's not with our competitive time. So there's there's something very countercultural and powerful in reminding ourselves that wow, you know what? As much as there's things that I want, God, it's your will that needs to be done on earth. And we humbly rejoice that we get to play a role in God's will being done. He uses us. And that's beautiful because we all are so broken. <laughs> um, there's nobody who's out there who's got it all together that God's like, hey, I'm using you because you've got your act together, right? Like throughout the Bible, we see it's not it's not the people who have it perfect, who then are used by God it's the people who have sins and addictions and blemishes and problems God says I'm going to use you and that's that part of your story is going to be how you help heal this or minister here or you know I'm going to use your brokenness to bring wholeness to this area at which is a thing of beauty that but it only comes through God's will being done because if it's our will done we will naturally want to hide in shame, <laughs> keep it to ourselves. I don't want people to know this part of my story because it's embarrassing or it makes me feel less than or um so it's, you know, it really does start to psychologically shift where we are focusing and how we even interpret ourselves, that we have the the blessing, I guess I would say, of being able to be used for God's will to be done in the world.
0: Well, there's a sense, too. Of, I mean, and I like the word invited. So mm-hmm. we like, we can say used, but there's also a sense in which God invites us to join God in the work. It's not yes. using like to our detriment, but right. inviting us right. to join God in what God is doing. Beautiful,
1: powerful thing. Right. Yes.
0: But, but what's hard about this is we all have a story. And often our story is shaped by... Well, our story shapes our ego, which is our internal sort of sense, often our false sense of who we are and who we want to be. And of course, that's shaped by our childhood, by our time with our friends, even by our time as adults. And we have a perceived lack in some areas or a real lack. So maybe we were poor, maybe we were abused, maybe we didn't get the attention we wanted, maybe we weren't as successful as we wanted, or maybe we just perceive that we weren't those things, right? And so our ego now tells us, well, what you need to be full, what you need to be happy is a lot of money, or you need to be respected, or you need to be heard in this way. And it's not to say those things are bad, right? We all should be heard and we should be honored and respected, but it it can become, An unhealthy need that takes itself out in pornography, right? In anger, in addiction, (laughs) in unhealthy habits, in overworking, whatever it might be, where we believe our fulfillment will be found in that thing. And it makes sense because it comes from our personal narratives. But what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount, which is where the Lord's Prayer is located, is shifting, where we find our fulfillment. Mm -hmm. So Jesus says it's the the meek who are blessed, the poor in spirit, those who seek after righteousness, right? In the Beatitudes. Jesus says God wishes to provide for you that you don't need to be anxious about tomorrow. You don't need to worry. You don't need to get revenge on your enemies. You don't need to seek sexual fulfillment in an unhealthy way. He says, seek first God's kingdom and righteousness and it'll be provided to you. Mm -hmm. See, that's the amazing thing. We think we need to chase after our will being done And God is just saying when you can submit to God's will being done, all those holes in your soul, in your life, in your story, none of the things of the world can fulfill that. That's why we're forever chasing them, no matter how much money we get, no matter how much we drink, no matter how much we eat, no matter how many partners we have, whatever it is, we don't find it. And God is saying it's because I desire My will is for you and for the wholeness of you as a person. But then also in your wholeness being met, it's never at the detriment of someone else. See, that's what's beautiful about God's kingdom coming, God's will being done is fundamentally, we learn in the prophets, it's about justice, right? Mm -hmm. It's about, as as we learn in Paul and in Jesus, the reconciliation of all things things that God's will being done in our life will never hurt the environment or the creation or somebody else in another country or a a relationship in our life.
1: Right. Yeah, I was reading um, a book called For the Love by Jen Hatmaker, and she, I thought, had this beautiful analogy um, along the lines of what you're saying where she said, one of the traps we fall into, especially in our first world culture in America, is there's things we are told, even in the Christian church, we are told are, th- are signs that God is approving of us, right? So we might, um, it's not uncommon to hear like, hey, if you're faithful, God's going to make you financially secure. Like that's that's something you've got coming for you because God loves you. Or, you know, God will he- God will heal you because you are faithful, right? There's there's some things that we have put onto ourselves as a sign of God's will being done. And uh, what Jen Hatmaker cautions us to do is to remember that God's will is going to be as beautiful for us in America and as true as it will be for a Haitian mom who is a single mom in a third world country. And I thought that was a beautiful lens to remember because there are these lies that we're telling ourselves in the church um, where we say, wow, you know what, I'm struggling financially right now. God must not be approving of me or I'm, str- you know, he's teaching me something and that's why I'm struggling in this. Or, wow, you know what, I'm struggling with this addiction and I, it's clearly I'm not faithful enough. And we're, we're shaming ourselves for not living up to and measuring up to what we're perceiving God's will to be. But the truth is that God's ultimate will in the world, what he, what he talks about in scripture, is universal, so God's will and what he cares of and signs that it's working well are the same as our friends in Africa. It, it, it's going to have the same fruit there. It's going to have the same fruit in a third world country as in a first world country as in a second world country, right? So um, I guess that's one thing I would challenge us with is as we're reflecting on God's will to really consider, do I perceive God's will as something that would only benefit someone in my circumstances? Which not that those are bad things, but I think we've, we have, we have elevated some characteristics of God's blessings and said, these are significant for followers in a way that's not actually necessarily true as you see in scriptures.
0: Well, that's kind of part of that reorientation, right? The idea that what we sometimes think is best for us isn't really, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of like with our kids, right? Like, they're at the store and they want to buy this toy and they want to buy that toy. And you know, like we do an allowance or they have birthday money or something. And, they, they they can't buy them all, right? And so we have to say, well, you could buy this one or you could buy that one. And it's like life is over if I can't have all of them, right? But we sort of know actually that giving them everything they want isn't actually good for them. Right. Some of those toys might hurt them. Some of them aren't age appropriate. Some of them right. will just frustrate them right now. They're not ready for it, mm-hmm. or purely it could it could be damaging for them. And so we, in a sense, as as adults, and we're not perfect in this. Thankfully, we have a father in heaven who is perfect in this. But as best as we can we want our kids to be challenged and grow but we also want them to be fulfilled and whole and they as a two-year-old or a three-year-old or four-year-old can't fully see that they don't they simply don't have enough experience they don't have enough perspective so so
1: often i think it's helpful to remember and think of ourselves as toddlers in comparison to god and his understanding because i feel like that's kind of the the knowledge base difference we have going on it's just like a toddler person compared to their parent has so So much of a lesser understanding of how the world works. I think we as grownups, when you compare us to our Heavenly Father, we're kind of like (laughs) we kind of are like the toddler in comparison to what he knows and understands about the world versus the very limited perspective we
0: have. Well, that's Job, right? Job is like, God, oh, right. if I could put you on trial,
1: I would Yeah, prove He's railing I'm against right. God. Yeah. And
0: God then asks him all these questions and Job is like, I he's I don't stumped. know. Yeah, I yeah. don't know the answers. And he sort of realized that he isn't meant to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And so when we're praying for God's kingdom to come, God's will to be done. It doesn't mean that this is, again, this doesn't make God a vending machine where we now pray this and God's just going to give us what we want. Right. Right. That life is that we're never going to have struggles, that we're never going to die. We're never going to have illness. That's not it. But it is saying on a deeper level that when we pray for God's will to be done, that sort of peace beyond understanding does enter in that joy that we are made for does enter in Mm -hmm. that we are now in that relationship, in that connection with the God of the universe, and we know where the story is heading. We know that Jesus' resurrection already won, that the principalities and powers have been defeated. So it doesn't mean life will be easy, but it is, in a sense, inviting God's kingdom that is good for everyone, and we know that within that, Mm -hmm. God knows what we need, and God will never forsake us or abandon us.
1: Right. Well, and we do have that assurance in Scripture. And I think, too, this is another place where... Um, we need to remember and challenge ourselves to keep a perspective beyond ourselves. Because when this line comes up in the prayer, uh, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it the prayer never says, Your kingdom be done to make my life good or your kingdom be done for me and my family. It's it's praying that um God's God's will is done for the world, for creation, for us. Um you know, as people.
0: Yeah, the compares communal.
1: Right. It is. It's We are still in very much a communal thing. So I think um, it's, o- it's okay and normal to have a me-centric perspective. But as you go on, challenge yourself to consider how God's will being done for others um, could be reflected in this line of the prayer. You know, that there's a need for justice across the world, that there's a need for... Um, people to respect each other and love on each other and uh, treat each other with dignity and consider others' needs. And when we start to keep that, when we realize there's this global Christian community, it will and world community, because God cares about the Christians and the non-Christians, it, there's this need for that. And then it helps, I think, our eyes be opened to God's will being done on a bigger scale outside of our own personal bubble.
0: Well, and that's the reconciliation of all things. And that really is what underlines or underlies all this as we started by talking about sort of the fall of all things right and god's work ever since then is to bring everything back Mm -hmm. right and we started talking about that in the holy is your name episode that really what this is about is god desires for all things to be restored so for god's kingdom to come we're saying god may may all things be put to how you desire them Mm. to be because that's the goodness of all things so when we pray this There's a sense in which when we take time afterwards to reflect on it, as we open to God, we're saying, God, may I be one of those reconciling forces in the world. This isn't about my comfort, but God, may I be one through whom... Your will is done, which means justice, peace, reconciliation, redemption, forgiveness, love. You know, we're we're asking not just God generally may it be done, but God, I as me am praying this may it be done through me. Mm. Which is, again, why it's a risky prayer, because in, you're asking God to do something and it may not look like what you desire right. it to look like.
1: Well, and there's a very real chance that as we pray for God's will to be done, that he opens our eyes to an area of our lives that we could be active and working towards his will being done. And that will probably be a challenge, right? It's not necessarily a time in your prayer where God will pat you on the back and say, you did my will and keep going strong. Although you might be doing his will and he may encourage you to keep going strong. Um, But I think a lot of times this is a time in the prayer where uh, where we can – be made aware of something happening um, whether it's in the world or in our local community or in our very own home where there's a need for that reconciliation and we can play a part in it and that then becomes our our sacrifice in order that God's will be done
0: (laughs) right and and as we've sort of Journeyed in this, and as I've sort of taken on this prayer as central to my own life, it sort of hit me in my own time of prayer and meditation and silence that as I pray, God, your will be done, there are parts of me that resist, Mm -hmm. even as I'm saying it. And I've come to realize how incapable I am, like of my own power to really turn it all over. When Mm -hmm. I say, God, your will be done, I mean, that's sort of become my breath prayer, which we'll talk about in another episode. I might have mentioned that before, but this God, your will be done. But as I say it, it's sort of like the feeling of the holy is your name episode where my very saying it opens up to me how little I am capable of right. or and, and how f- short I am falling. And some might think, wow, well, that's guilty. That's depressing. <laughs> but no, it's actually it's encouraging again because in my realization of how unable I am to do it, This is where the prayer flips over sort of onto the other side. And we remind us we are God's, the very first word of the prayer is our father. So the invitation is to say God loves us as children, which means that in my own recognition of falling short, The very next response is God's grace to say Mm -hmm. that isn't meant to depress you or discourage you. It's meant to encourage you that I have invited, despite that, Mm -hmm. because of that, for my will to be done through you. So it's actually an encouragement to say, God, more of you, less of me. Mm -hmm. And not in a negative way, but in a, wow, the God of the universe loves me and cares for me as an individual. And the more I recognize my sinfulness, my Mm -hmm. inability to do God's will, the more grace about. Right. As Paul right. says, which is then beautiful, the more we realize how amazing this grace is, how much God really does love us and how beautiful this invitation is. You know, I was reading Tozer, the A.W. Tozer the other day, and he was talking about how when the Israelites were in the desert and some of them were being bitten by snakes. God told Moses to put, you know, a, a snake on, on the stick and hold it. And when any, whenever someone gazed upon it, they would be healed. And in the gospel, we're told, Jesus says, likewise, the son of man, you know, Jesus himself must be lifted up. And so we think about that and we say, well, what, what, what does that mean? Right. But there's a sense then in which Jesus is equating himself with like that snake put up on the pole that when mm-hmm. you gaze upon it, the very act of turning your face toward it and gazing upon it, is then what God accepts as the invitation to act as a healer. Mm-hmm. And Jesus saying, I also must be lifted up. And so there's a sense then in which what our invitation then is just to gaze upon Jesus with mm-hmm. our heart, Tozer would say, right? With our mind, with our life, with our spirit, with all of it. And that act of gazing or turning toward is what opens the healing. So mm-hmm. we're not earning it. We're not worthy of it. In fact, our learning, our own inability to actually turn our will over to God opens us to say, God, all I can do is gaze upon you. And it's almost as if God is saying that's enough.
1: Yeah, that's all he needs from us.
0: Right. Is praying, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. I don't know how to do it. On many days, I actively work against it because of my own ego and pride and selfish desires, my misunderstanding of what will make me happy. Even our insecurity. Exactly. Works against it. But God, I desire your will to be done. Now, this isn't called a laziness to say, well, I'm just too far gone, so I'm going to stay in my addiction or sin. But because, again, that's what Paul says, right? Well, if grace abounds, should we just sin? No, by no means. But there's a recognition of it. And an invitation then to gaze upon God. So I, I love this prayer by Thomas Merton. So it says, My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean I am actually doing so. So right there he says, even though I think I'm following your doesn't will doesn't mean I do so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have done that. I have that desire in all that I am doing. And I hope I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always. Um, Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear. For you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen. Right? So I love that he's saying, I desire, this is a God, your kingdom come, your will be done. But I don't know that I'm doing it. I may be going the wrong way. But my desire, my prayer for your will to be done pleases you. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, that's spiritual disciplines, right? This This isn't a formula. It's not a special, like a special, you know. Insider information that we're not
1: earning something by doing them or practicing them. It is
0: that process of gazing upon Jesus and saying, Lord, I don't even know what it asks for your will to be done. I may not even fully understand it, but Lord, I trust you as our Father, the Holy One. And this is again why this line flows from the first one, right? Because we can't turn our will over to a good God unless we first know it's our Father who is in heaven, who's holy and loves us. Then we can say, God, I submit to your kingdom to come, mm-hmm. your will be done. God, I see pain and hurt all around. I see injustice. I see our world falling apart. God, our world needs reconciliation. It's sort of like John at the end of Revelation, come, Lord Jesus, come, right? Yeah. That's what we're praying here. And Lord, even as I say it, I'm contradicting myself with my other thoughts and desires. But Lord, I believe it's pleasing to you Mm -hmm. that my desire in this moment is to gaze upon you and for your will to be done. So brothers and sisters, our prayer for you as you move into the second line, your kingdom come, your will be done. May you first know that your father in heaven loves you. That God created you to experience the fullness of life in a way that is good for all people and all things. So as you pray this prayer, may you turn your will over to him. May this be an act of submission, but also an act of joy, as this is God inviting you to gaze upon him, to turn your will over to him. And may you trust that God's will will be done in your life, that God's kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. So take some time this week, pray through that second line, maybe combine it with the first, you know, just maybe pray our father in heaven, holy be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done and stop there and reflect upon all Mm -hmm. the different parts we've talked about. And I believe as you desire to turn more of your will over to God, God will honor that and you will experience the love of your father in heaven as God's kingdom breaks forth into the midst of this world. Grace and peace be with you.